Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in Eagles fans to the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gilio, joined as always by Elliot Stewart Parks, and now at least as far back as last week, always with Matt Lombardo covering the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. We're now just a little over two weeks as we do this podcast away from the first round of the NFL Draft. Thursday, April 27th in Philadelphia. The whole weekend, of course, in Philadelphia will be the draft. The Eagles are going to be on the board of 14. We're going to spend this week talking about offensive players that could pertain to the Eagles, who are guys like, who they don't like, the players that you know, you've been thinking about when it comes to the Eagles and if they do go offense and when they go offense in this draft. Elliot, we'll start with you just a little over two weeks out. I feel like even though the Eagles have such a need at corner, and we'll do defense next week, but even though they have such a need at corner, most fans are talking about the potential offensive picks they can make here. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made. I'm not sure I completely agree with it, but there is an argument to be made that this defense, especially the cornerback position, is pretty far off from competing in terms of being an actual, you know, working secondary at this cornerback position. If you're the Eagles and you're sitting there at 14, you look at the offense. I mean, and we'll talk about who we might, who we think could be there and who who might not be there. But you know, is Dalvin Cook a reach at 14? Maybe, but. If you add Dalvin Cook to this offense, all of a sudden you're completely changing the running back position. So, and you know, you're giving Carson Wentz another weapon. And that really was, it really was the message the Eagles sent at the beginning of the offseason. And it's the message they've continued to continually act upon as the season's gone on. So, you know, is the Eagles' biggest need at cornerback? Yes, I think there's an argument to be made that it is. You can make an argument that their second biggest need might be a defensive end, or, you know, I think running back will probably be third. But if you just look at, What's gonna what their priority is as a franchise in terms of just helping Carson Wentz? Then the idea of them taking an offensive player at fourteen isn't that far fetched, especially when you look at who they're who might be the best available player there. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's they, and they've been doing this the entire offseason. Offense, offense, offense. Putting pieces around Carson Wentz has been the entire thing. All right, before we get to the actual names and the players and debate how they fit the Eagles and how they wouldn't. Matt, where do you sit on the debate? And we'll start with running back. Just the idea of a running back in the first round. For years, Mel Kuyper's been against this. I think a lot of fans in the last maybe 10 years or so have gotten on this boat that you don't take a running back in the first round. Of course, last year we saw Ezekiel Elliott, and and maybe that's changed some opinions on this. Where do you sit, Matt, on running back in the first round, just as an overall type of debate? Yeah, Joe, I wrote about this on the site last week, that if the Eagles are going to go offense in round one, and I disagree with Elliott that that should be the priority. I know the Eagles have 
built their offseason around bolstering the talent on offense around Carson Wentz. But if you're going to go offense in round one, I'd go defense. I'd try to rebuild that cornerback position in a draft that is loaded with cornerbacks. Sometime I would even in you know invest two of my first three picks in that position but if you're going offense I wrote about this last week you have to go running back you have to go in my opinion Christian McCaffrey a guy that can not only be a key contributor in the backfield he can line up in the slot he can catch passes out of the backfield be a weapon in the passing game for Carson Wentz and as you talked about Joe the blueprint now at least we know this is a copycat league and based on the success of a year ago with the Cowboys the blueprint now seems to be pairing your franchise quarterback, in the case of the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, in the case of the Eagles, Carson Wentz, with a franchise running back. And the Cowboys did that to perfection last year, taking Ezekiel Elliott number four. And now I don't believe that there's an Ezekiel Elliott type of running back in this class. I think that the closest back to an Elliott would be Leonard Fournette, but he's going to be long gone, and I don't think the Eagles have the ammunition to go up and get Leonard Fournette. But if you're sitting there at number 14 and Christian McCaffrey is sitting there on the board and you have the choice to take McCaffrey or maybe the second or third best cornerback or maybe Mike Williams is sitting there, maybe John Ross is sitting there, I almost believe that if you're going to go offense, Joe, I think you have to go running back and balance out this offense because you invested so heavily in the wide receiver position in free agency. There are some dynamic wide receivers to be had in the middle to later rounds, whereas I think there's a premium at the running back position where you have these two first-round talents, maybe three if you include Dalvin Cook, and then the rest are kind of maybe value picks or gambles in the middle round. So if I'm going offense in round one, I'm taking a running back if I'm the so, Eagles. Uh, let's just get into this Christian McCaffrey thing right now because I know Joe, you're big on McCaffrey, and Matt obviously just said he was. I could not disagree with you guys more about Christian McCaffrey at 14. I just think when I look at McCaffrey, I agree. Is he a player that can do a lot of things? Yes. But I think at 14, first of all, I would take Dalvin Cook over Christian McCaffrey 10 out of 10 times. But McCaffrey to me is a player where you're going to have to game, you're going to have to spend so much time game planning how you're going to use him that I don't think he's a running back where if you just you take your regular running plays next year that you ran last year if you're the Eagles and you give the ball to McCaffrey in those same situations. I think he could be a good player, but I don't think he's a special player. I, I agree with you. He can go in the slot. And if you get really creative with him, then yes, I think he could be an impact player at the NFL. But I look at if you're going to take a player at 14, especially a running back, and I, I'm not saying any of these players are Ezekiel Elliott, but Ezekiel Elliott wasn't a player when he came into the NFL where he was, you know, you had to do special things with him. You had to line him up out wide. You had to do those things. Dalvin Cook to me and Leonard Fournette, I'm not as high as Leonard on Leonard Fournette, but Dalvin Cook to me is a guy, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a better pass blocker when, when you ask him to do that. And I think just purely as a running back, if you just look at strictly as a running back, Dalvin Cook versus Christian McCaffrey. I think Dalvin Cook is a far superior running back. I think he's better in between the tackles. He can still take it to the outside. He has the most broken tackles of any running back in the draft in 2016. And I just think he's your home run hitter. Is McCaffrey, to me, um, Joe, I've heard you compare him to, to Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles is a very nice player. Is Darren Sproles a player you want with the 14th overall pick? I think when you talk 14th overall pick, you need a guy that's going to be dominant no matter what, what – you know, like without having to game plan 
around him to make him successful. Well, I, 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 just I don't think, think Elliot, that they'd well, have to game well, plan around McCaffrey. Yeah. I think you're, you're putting the onus on defensive coordinators to game plan against him. And the way the Eagles use running backs, this isn't a system where you're handing the ball to your running back 25, 30 times a game. Plus they have Wendell Smallwood in the fold. And I get the sense that their running attack, they'd like to build a running back by committee around a Wendell Smallwood. And McCaffrey not only gives you the ability to do that, but he's a matchup nightmare when you can put him on the field in the slot one-on-one against a linebacker. You can put him in motion and still have Smallwood in the backfield. He can break tackles. He can be a contributor in the passing game. He can be a contributor on special teams. I'm not saying that I would pick McCaffrey at 14. Maybe you can move back, but th- th- there's a chance that he's going to be gone in the top 10. I think he's a more complete running back than Calvin Cook. I think that's a reach. I just think if you take a player, well, I, I don't think he's more a complete running back than Dalvin Cook, but To me, McCaffrey, and I know I just said this, but I just want to emphasize it, is a player that you're going to have to do – is the defense going to have to game plan against him? Yeah, they will. But I also think that you don't want to take a guy at 14 where you have to spend part of your week preparing on offense, figuring out how you're going to – like spending a lot of time figuring out how – you don't want to completely make your offense revolve around Christian McCaffrey. I I don't think it would, but you you set him up with a workload where he carries the ball 10 to 15 times. You target him in the passing game 10 to 15 times. You line him up on special teams in in punt returns. He replaces Darren Sproles eventually in that role, and and he's going to create space for the other players in the passing game. If you send him out on routes, you're going to have to dedicate a linebacker to covering him, which is going to leave some open space for Jordan Matthews or Zach Ertz in the slot. Gonna, if you put him in the backfield, send, right. he can run between the tackles. He can go outside. I just look at the two, and I think there's the fumbling concerns with, with Cook. There's the off-the-field character concerns with mm-hmm. Cook. And if you're going to go running back, I think you go with the Swiss Army type because that's how this offense uses their running back. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys or I'm the Green Bay Packers, or, or maybe the Packers are a bad example, but if I'm a team that likes to pound the ball with my running back 25, 35 times a game, I look at Cook but I don't think that you're going to ask McCaffrey, Cook, or even Fournette to put forth that kind of workload in this particular scheme. So yeah, I, I, love, I love Cook, Elliot. I'm, yeah. I was with you from you know, the end, of, I guess, when the bowl season was around and watching him against Michigan. He's a really good player. The red flags with him, that's the worry. Like If they don't take a running back in the first round, and he's on the board in the second round. You know, Dalvin Cook would be good for the Eagles. And Dalvin Cook caught a bunch of passes. I think he led the— Well, I was going to say, can, let me just say two things really quick. One, the fumbling thing, I can't—that's that, one thing I can't counter. I agree. Dalvin Cook has fumbling issues. And traditionally, fumbling issues in college transfer over to the NFL. So I agree with you on that. But I do think that there's this idea that because Christian McCaffrey is— you know, viewed as the best pass catching running back in the draft, at least among the top three, that Dalvin Cook is not a threat out of the backfield. Oh, he is. He is. Right. So, yeah, I agree. Christian McCaffrey, when you split him out, is linebacker, and you, you know, you, opposing defense puts a linebacker on him, that's a problem. Dalvin Cook is also going to win those matchups against linebackers, but I think he's a better pure runner. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in this, you know, Swiss Army knife, which is absolutely something you want to see from a player. But if you're taking a running back, just a pure running back, I just don't think as physical running back, there's any comparison between Cook and McCaffrey. I think he's the far superior, just pure running back. And so I think if you're taking guy 14, and Matt, you're right. I do think the Eagles want to do a running back by committee. But I also think last year you saw that when you have all these specialty players, like and McCaffrey could do more than the running backs last year. But to me, the prime example was last year on that two-point conversion against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They had... 
Ryan Matthews not on the field because they knew they were going to throw the ball. You want someone in, in that if you put out on that field, the defense doesn't know what he's going to do in that way. Because And I think Dalvin Cook's going to be a bigger threat running the ball, but he's also going to be a threat catching the ball. And that's why I think he would just be a better overall pick than McCaffrey, especially at 14. Yeah, let me give you guys another comparison that I've, I've thought about with McCaffrey, right? So yesterday, I guess it was, I saw, we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. Re, this week, I saw that Sean Payton, the Saints coach, made the comparison to Darren Sproles. And I think he could be a bigger Sproles, which means he gets the ball more, right? Like, that's always been the knock on Sproles. The only knock on Sproles is, is you know, you can only get in the ball like 10 or 15 times in a game at most in any way any way, shape, or form, because that's all his body could handle. And McCaffrey's bigger. The guy, the other guy I think about when I, I look at him is, is the career Ray Rice had in Baltimore. Like, he ran the football well. He was a good running back. He also caught about 70 passes a year out of the backfield. Like, if, if he can be that, I think he's worth the 14th pick in the draft. Like, this has to be the – I think – do we all agree Christian McCaffrey's going to be a, a good player in the NFL? I mean, I think he could be – I think on the right team, he can be a good player. I so think it's just he, a matter of is he worth the pick, right? Is he, wor- is he worth the 14th pick in the draft? That's the whole thing with him. I think he's a good player. I think everyone – I mean, the fact that there's rumors out there, Matt, I think, Matt, you alluded to this a second ago, that he might go in the top 10. The NFL has concluded, all right, this kid could play. It's just a matter of how high should he go considering he's kind of a, you know, an interesting gadget player in a way. Yeah, yeah, I like in his skill set to maybe yeah. a Danny Woodhead or even a, a high, high ceiling, a Le'Veon Bell, because of what he does catching the ball out of the backfield, whether or not he reaches those sort of heights. If you're somewhere in between those two players at pick number 14 on an offense that really the one gaping hole is at running back, I think you'd be OK with that kind of a player. Yeah, I think you would, too. But that's just a matter of it, at 14 and they pull the trigger on, on that player. All right. Let's assume for a second. They do not go Christian McCaffrey at fourteen. Though Peter King had his panel of experts in his recent Everyone Monday morning quarterback. About him, but I don't. I don't think they're going to take a running back in the first round. Okay, so assume they don't. Let, let's let's go on that premise. Let's go with Fournette is gone. They don't take McCaffrey. Where, where do you think they get a running back? Because I think we should all agree they're going to get a running back at some point here. Is it the second round? Is it a trade back up for Cook? Is it a guy who's not even on the radar, like a name? That's not part of the big mix. Well, and, of name, course, there's, there, the there's always the Joe big Mixon. name is, is Joe Mixon. Elliot, what do you think? If they don't take McCaffrey, where, how do you think this plays out? I'll say this. If Joe Mixon is on the board at the 40, number 43 overall pick when the Eagles are on the clock, he won't be there at number 44. If he falls to them, I think that's the guy that they like. And we talk a lot about – you know, we just had a big, you know, big debate about what the Eagles look for in a running back. Mixon has all those things. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Mixon is a player that if there wasn't off-the-field issues – he's probably talked about as being the best running back in this class because I think he's a much better pass catcher than Leonard Fournette, and I think he's a great pure running back. So if the Eagles, I think, you know, they, I think that he's a player that they would take at 43. He fits their offense perfectly. When I was in Arizona, I talked to Jeff Laurie and to Doug Peterson and asked them both, is Joe Mixon a guy you'd feel comfortable having on your team? And, you know, they said they didn't want to talk about Mixon specifically, but – their overall, the tone of their answer was, we're a team that gives second chances, and we're a team that takes it case by case. And I'm not saying that means they're definitely going to take Mixon, but I do think that was their way of if, – if they, if they had already crossed Mixon off their board, they could have said right there, you know, that's probably not something we're comfortable with or something along those lines. But the Eagles have shown they are, are, they are comfortable with that type of stuff. Look at DGB last year was acquired by this team. Jalen Mills had, a, uh, had an incident that was obviously less severe in some ways than uh, Joe Mixon's. And the fact that there's a tape with Joe Mixon, fair or not, does 
make it a bigger deal because if they take Joe Mixon at number 43, you you know, guaranteed one of the day, one of the next days on the paper, there's going to be a big image there of Joe Mixon. And that videotape is going to be circulated all over among Eagles fans. So that is something they have to consider. But if they don't take a running back in the first round, I think there's a very high probability it's Joe Mixon in the second round. Matt, where do you stand on the Mixon debate? I've said before that, you know, I'm leaning towards where Elliott was going. They've already, in a way, crossed lines or been a team that's willing to give second chance. You go all the way back to the Michael Vick thing, and I'm not trying to say what Mixon did and Vick thing are the same. I'm just saying they're a team that has shown they are not afraid to bring in a guy that's going to upset some people if they believe they could get a good football player and at the same time maybe rehabilitate the person. Where do you stand on Mixon as how he'd fit the Eagles all, yeah, with Joe, everything considered? Yeah, Joe, I, I agree with, with everything Elliot just said, and, and I agree with you in that the Eagles have a propensity of being that team that focuses on giving the second chances or or is willing to overlook or devalue some of the off the field concerns. And let's even just go back to last year's draft class, Alex McAllister off the field issue, Jalen Mills, as you both pointed out off the field issue, Nigel Bradham, Wendell Smallwood. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the bottom line is that if the Eagles believe that Joe Mixon is a first round talent and he's on the board at 43, I agree with Elliot that they'll give strong consideration. I don't know that they'd necessarily pick him because it all depends what they do at number 14. But if he's there, I think they give him strong consideration just because of the fact that you talk to Mel Kuyper Jr., you hear some of the whispers in the scouting community, you hear from some teams that have outright said it, that Joe Mixon is one of the two or three best running backs in this entire draft class based on talent alone. But we all know in the NFL, talent alone isn't the only barometer for how NFL teams evaluate these prospects. So I think that if Mixon is there, the Eagles would consider it. Maybe they'd even pick him if they didn't take at running back or an offensive player at 14. But guys, I think there are some really good running backs with value in rounds three and four. And the kid I really like is Kareem Hunt out of Toledo. He's a guy that kind of reminds me of a poor man's Brian Westbrook or a poor man's Darren Sproles. He's shifty. He's quick. He accelerates through the hole. He's got, you know, cuts for days, jump cuts, spin moves, all of those things can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. So I think that if the Eagles wait till round three or round four to address the run, running back position, Kareem Hunt from Toledo is a guy to keep an eye on. Oh, sure is. And there's a lot of those guys. As you were saying that, Matt, and, and Elliot, this is something that we've touched on in, in previous episodes, just like the, the idea of how the Eagles navigate this draft is fascinating to me beyond the players they take, because there's a lot of good corners, but I think how he spoke, I think it was at the senior bowl about, you know, once in a while you think there's a lot of good players at a position and then all of a sudden there's a run on them and they're gone. This has been deemed as a really good running back draft. Like the idea of when the Eagles get these certain players, not even who they get is interesting to me. Do you think there's a thought when they set this draft board up, not just best player available, not just best player, but how many good players are at each position and like, all right, we better get a running back here because they might all be gone before we like the rest of the guys left. When you talk about Howie Roseman and his strengths as a general manager, um, one of them, they're at least what's supposed to be his strength, is his ability to gauge the draft board and kind of figure out what player is a good value where. And I think that in a lot of ways is one of the things him and Chip really disagreed on. I mean, you look at a guy like Taylor Hart, um, you know, who clearly has been a bust, but he was a guy Chip wanted to take early and Howie said, no, we can get him later. So in theory, this should be a draft where Howie's strengths really show because 
You look at cornerback, you look at running back, which just happened to be the two Eagles' biggest positions of need. Those are also the two deepest positions in the draft. So Howie should be able to say, all right, at 43, maybe we like um, you know, a certain cornerback. But we think we can get, we think we can get a guy in the third round that's just as good. And how and look, how he's going to have to take some of those chances because when you when you have a bunch of these players, I mean, clearly the Eagles are going to have them ranked. But I would imagine outside of maybe you know the first top two players they have on their board at the position, there's going to be a lot of gray area there. And and there'll be let's not forget the Joe Douglas factor. But one thing that Howie is going to have to really do well in this draft. Is figure out all right if we can if, if you know if, if I take this running back here because he is the best player left or if I take even you know a receiver let's say John Ross falls to them at fourteen or something like that if the Eagles can then figure out all right I'll take a best of play best available player here it doesn't fit our need maybe Reuben Foster or something like that how he needs to be sure then when he gets to pick forty three or if he gets to those third the third round pick or both his fourth round fourth round picks that a player that's going to help the team now because they do need help at cornerback is going to be there. And that's a, you know, a mixture of both player evaluation, but also, you know, player evaluation is a big part of the draft, obviously. But another big part is figuring out when, when guys are going to go and, and, you know, having connections around the league and ha- knowing who likes who. And that is supposed to be one of Howie's strengths. And that's going to have to show during this draft. It sure is, right? I mean, that, that's going to be the whole thing, reading the room. Howie's been doing that for a long time and doing it well. Uh, and they're going to have to do it here. Let's let's talk a little bit w- about wide receivers. We've done a lot on running backs. Some some a, a guy Matt mentioned with uh, maybe later in the draft when they might take these guys. We've talked a lot about Cook and McCaffrey. Now the wide receiver debate, which in a way it feels like the Eagles ended this debate a little bit or changed it when they went out in free agency the first day and they got Alshon Jeffrey and they got Torrey Smith. They're bringing back, at least for now, as we know, Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz is a big part of the receiving game. So maybe not as pressing of a need as it was when the season ended. Still, though, you look long-term, they could use wide receivers. Matt, when you look at the top three names, let's go with this to start. The top three names, which would be, in some order, Mike Williams, Clemson, Corey Davis, Western Michigan, John Ross of Washington. I know Elliott has a strong feeling on this. Which one do you think fits the Eagles the best in, in some sort of perfect world at 14 if, if they were interested at wide receiver? Yeah, I think that, uh, Joe, if you're going to go wide receiver in round one, you're hoping that Corey Davis is available to you at 14 because he's the most complete receiver in this draft. And I think you need to ask yourself, what is your prototype wide receiver? Do you want to go and get a Brandon Cooks or do you want to go and get an Amari Cooper? Do you want to go and get a Deshaun Jackson or do you want to go and get somebody that fits the mold of an Antonio Brown? And I think that when you look at what the Eagles need, we saw what they did in free agency. You bring in Alshon Jeffrey, you bring in Torrey Smith, both on short term and in the case of Alshon Jeffrey, one year deals. I think that you need to get that young developmental wide receiver for Carson Wentz, somebody that can stretch the field a little bit, but also be a big enough body to be a red zone target, somebody who can bail you out on third and seven, and somebody that can grow along with your young core of Wentz, Zach Ertz, maybe Jordan Matthews. And I think that Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back here at least for one more year because they do have the leverage of the franchise tag if they can't come to terms on a long-term deal. But I think you need to get a wide receiver at some point in this draft. And I think the only way that I consider going receiver in round one is if Corey Davis happens to be available to you at that spot, because I think that he's the number one and most complete receiver in this class. I know, Elliot, you like John Ross a lot. You like the fact that he can stretch the field. You like the fact that he has the speed. I think Davis is the more complete player. And if you're going wide receiver, I think he's the one first round target that I think the Eagles would be wise to go after. So to me, and 
I'll start with this. When I first started covering the Eagles and I don't know, six years ago, I was interning at gcob.com with Gary Cobb, who used to play for the Eagles and does radio. And he told me that very early on, to stick in the NFL and to be a special player, you have to have one elite skill. You don't have to be great at everything, but you have to have at least one elite skill. So can you make the argument that Corey Davis in some ways – you know, he's a better possession receiver than John Ross, maybe. And, you know, maybe he does some things better than Mike Williams. But I look at Corey Davis and two things that stick out to me are complete, like would make me stay away from him at 14 if I were the Eagles. First, I don't think he has an elite skill. I don't think he has elite speed. And I don't think he is, he's not great. Like physically, I don't see him go up and win a lot of jump balls like Mike Williams does. So I look at him and I, and his hands are good, but his hands are not great. So I, I look at him and I say, where is he going to physically dominate people at, at the NFL level? John Ross, he, he's not as big as Corey Davis, but I know he can stretch the field. He has elite speed. Mike Williams is huge and he can go up and win jump balls. So Mike Williams is going to be able to go up and win those 50-50 balls. Corey Davis isn't going to be able to do that. When I look at Corey Davis, I see Jordan Matthews, basically. I don't think – I think Jordan Matthews is exactly like Corey Davis in that way that he's good at a lot of things. But I don't think you can look at Jordan Matthews and say what is he – what is his one elite skill? And I think Jordan Matthews would even say that. He's never been the fastest guy. He's never been had the best hands or anything like that. So if I'm the Eagles – if Corey Davis is there, there's like 15 players I would take ahead of him. Now, the interesting question is if John – let's say John Ross and Mike Williams are there. Just I don't think that's going to be the case. I think John Ross is going to go number five overall to the Titans. But wow. let's, just, let's just say Mike Williams and John Ross are both there. If Alshon Jeffrey is not on the roster, I think there's an argument to be made for Mike Williams because I think – if you look at some of the best receivers in the league, and really I'm more just thinking mostly of Julio, who is a special player clearly, but you have to be able to physically dominate that receipt, the cornerback across from you. So John Ross, I think, better fits this roster now because he perfectly complements Alshon Jeffrey. He, he can stretch the field. He also checks the box off of a young player that Wentz can grow with. If Alshon wasn't on the roster, I would probably take Mike Williams. But if you take Mike Williams now, you're basically guaranteeing in some ways that Alshon's not going to be back because their games are just too similar. And you're still going to need a player that's going to stretch the field. And I think Matt and Joe, you both agree with me on this. For all the criticisms the receivers got last year about dropped passes, to me the biggest problem with the receivers last year was that they weren't able to stretch the field. So John Ross would check that box off in a big way where I don't think Corey Davis – brings really anything new to, to this roster. Yeah, so I, agree. Corey Davis I agree with that. I, on yeah. the, the John Ross, that he would bring something different, right? Like he'd be – I know they signed Torrey Smith, Smith for speed, but he's an older – you know, he's not old, but he's 28 and, you know, only $500,000 guaranteed. It's hard to imagine Torrey Smith here long term. Alshon, there is a school of thought he could be, and you're trying to build receivers that complement each other. I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense if he's there. Matt, when you look at the, the receiver core they have now, right, and – and if they take a receiver, how much of this – now, running back's different because they don't really have anyone on the roster that, that is a real player, and you know they just got to find a good running back they like. Receiver, how much do you think they'll take into account what they have compared to the fact that not many of these guys or any of them really are signed beyond 2017? Do you think they're going to draft a receiver to complement the guys they have now, or do you think that's not the way to do it? 
I think the way to do it, Joe, is you build your board and you take the best player available. I, th- I think that when you look at the wide receiver position, the running back position, cornerback, linebacker, defensive end, whatever, I think that when the Eagles and every other team builds their board and when you go on the clock, I, I don't think you overthink it. I think that what you wind up doing, especially successful teams like the Steelers, like the Packers, like the Patriots that win and compete for championships and draft well every year, they take the best player available. And I don't think that if you're the Eagles, you look at your draft board and say, okay, Corey Davis, John Ross, Mike Williams, they're all sitting here, but we need a cornerback. Or we're going to take John Ross, who we have as our number two receiver because we have Alshon Jeffrey. We're going to take Corey Davis, who's our number three receiver, because we don't know if Jeffrey's going to be here long term. I think it just comes down to who is the best player available when you are slated to pick. And if it fits a need, fantastic. But I think that the Eagles have made too many mistakes in the past of reaching for need, reaching for a position and taking a player that might be the fourth or fifth ranked player on their draft board, but he fills a need that they have to fill during the draft. So regardless of inside of position or just figuring out what position you want to target, I think that Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman, I think they'd be wise to trust their board and make the selection regardless of who fits a certain profile within what they already have on the roster. And that's where I think in some ways this draft, I know we're focusing on offensive players today, but in some ways this draft, I think is going to end up working out pretty well for the Eagles, at least in terms of who's there is because you look at the possibilities of guys that'll be there on four at 14. And the only two guys I think that could really fall to them potentially would be Derek Barnett, the defensive end out of uh, Tennessee, and the linebacker Reuben Foster out of Alabama. Those are two guys that maybe if they're there, you say, hmm, they might be on top of our board. But otherwise, you're going to look at, I would say there's a 90% chance that when Eagles go on the clock at 14, either a running back, a cornerback, or a receiver are going to be the best player they have available, regardless of position on the board. And that's perfect for them because now if they take a cornerback, obviously – you know, you say this, this fits the need. If you take a receiver, it says it fits a need and cornerback, it fits the need too. So I think it's going to play out pretty well for them in terms of being able to rationalize the player they take being the best of best available, but also filling a need. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be the, the, the way this draft plays out more than who they get it is I think the most fascinating thing for the Eagles, how the board develops, how, who goes in front of them. And how they kind of read the room, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, when it comes to, all right, we get this position here, we can come back later, there'll still be a good player there. I want to throw a couple rapid-fire questions at you guys before we we wrap up this episode talking offense. And and in this, I think we'll get into some positions and thoughts that we haven't touched on yet. All right, first question for you guys. And we touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to add another name to the mix just to see how it affects um, how you'd respond and what you think the Eagles might do. So we'll start with Elliot on all these, and then we'll go to Matt. Rapid fire just off top of your head. First answer that comes to you. Elliot, if they want a running back in the first round, all three running backs that we talked about, actually all every running back in the draft is on the board, and you could take a running back for the Eagles, who would you take? Uh, I mean, come on, this is easy. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin I, Cook. Would t- I would take him over Fournette easily. Matt, for you, any running back on the board, Eagles could have their pick of the litter. Who you got? Leonard Fournette. I think there's a case to be made that he's the number one prospect overall in the entire draft. And I think that he's the closest, not that anybody is Ezekiel Elliott. Leonard Fournette is the closest to Ezekiel Elliott in this class. I'd take Leonard Fournette. I'll just keep them nine or rapid fire, but I'm curious. You just said that you thought they want a running back that can catch the ball and go out wide. That's not Fournette's strength. So why would you take him? Because he's the best player. 
I'm saying that he is the best talent at the position, and I don't believe that he's going to be there for them at 14. And I think that if, if you're going to follow that cowboy blueprint, if you're going to follow the blueprint of the other organizations that draft best player available, Fournette fits that bill. Well, he might, uh, but that's, there's no doubt that he's, his strength is not catching the ball in the backfield. Great runner, n- not great at catching the ball in the backfield. All right, next one, Elliot. Best strategy for the Eagles, and, and we'll probably touch more on this next week, but best strategy for the Eagles, running back in the first round, corner in the second, corner in the first round, running back in the second. I mean, that's tough because without knowing who's there, but I would say if they're willing to take the hit on the Joe Mixon you know, off the field stuff, then I think cornerback in the first and running back in the second will probably be worth it. But I also really like Tease Tabor out of Florida. I know everyone soured on him because of his 40 time. But if he's there at 43, if you can take like a Dalvin Cook at 14 and then Tease Tabor at 43, I think you're very off there. You're, you're good there as well. So I think in general, the I think you can get a better cornerback prospect actually in the second round than you would be running back. So I don't know. I'm torn on that. But that's a good question. Matt, I think I know your answer, but corner running back or running back corner? It all depends on who the cornerback and who the running back are that are on the board there, Joe. But I've long been an advocate of the replicating the draft class that had Sheldon Brown, Lito Shepard, and Michael Lewis back to back to back. I would take corner in two of the three picks. And if a Gary and Conley, somehow a Marshawn Lattimore, even a Marlon Humphrey are sitting there at 14, I go corner in round one. All right, this one I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench at you guys. Uh, with the, when the Eagles are on the board of 14, if the best player on their board, and they, let's just go with the assumption for this conversation, they rank everyone just 1 through 32, or however they do it per round, so they have a, a little frame of reference there for people listening. Best player on their board is tight end O.J. Howard, and right below him, let's say, is running back Christian McCaffrey or cornerback, blah, blah, blah. Elliot, do you take the tight end with Zach Ertz in the roster and a second-round tender to Trey Burton, or do you move off of that and go to more of a need-slash-best player? Well, the thing is, if they take O.J. Howard, they basically have to keep four tight ends on the roster because Selleck financially is going to have to be there unless they're willing to eat that dead money. Uh, Trey Burton's going to be there, and then obviously Zach Ertz. So I'm okay with the idea of taking O.J. Howard because I think that the Eagles ideally would like to get the tight ends more involved, and I think the combination of Ertz and Howard – I mean, Ertz, Ertz's ability to split out wide, he can almost be a slot receiver in some ways. So I do think I, I would be okay with that. I would take O.J. Howard over Christian McCaffrey. Um, that being said, if they pass on O.J. Howard because they have a cornerback there that's like just a little bit under Howard, I think you, you're, you're so set at tight end that I would be okay with passing over O.J. Howard in terms of just passing the best available player to fill a need in that instance. But if they took O.J. Howard... I think, you know, you're, at the end of the day, you're just adding another skilled offensive player to, to the team. And, I, you know, you can never go wrong with doing that. Matt, O.J. Howard or go off the board considering Howard is clearly not in a position of need? Joe, you've talked a lot about Howie Roseman's ability to read the room. This is where I think that comes into play big time. Because if O.J. Howard is the number one player on the board, I'm going to have to believe that a couple of teams reached for running backs. Maybe they, they went and they reached and took the wide receivers off the board. There's probably at least one of the top three quarterbacks that are sitting there. O.J. Howard is sitting there. If O.J. Howard is number one on my board, I'm calling around the league. I'm looking to get out of that spot. Move back somewhere between three and five picks 
in the first round, pick up at least one second round pick, either for this year or recouping that 2018 second round pick that I traded away as part of the deal to go and get Carson Wentz. I'm moving back because I can still get a, a playmaker on defense. I can still probably add some sort of weapon to my offense, and I can get value for the selection by getting a second round pick that if it's a second round this year, maybe you can package those two twos together to go back into round one to wind up with two first round pick. So this is an easy one for me, Joe. If OJ Howard is number one on my board, I'm calling around the league and I'm trading back. All right. Last one for you guys in this little rapid fire here. If the objective, and I know it's not, the Eagles have said this is not the objective. They've said the objective is to win long-term and to build a team and get a buy and all that kind of stuff. If though, Elliot, the objective is to make the playoffs in 2017, which offensive player in the NFL draft Obviously, the first round, because we're not going to talk about guys in the fourth round here. But which offensive player would help the Eagles the most in 2017? Not long term, not the best pick for the next 10 years for this year. Well, I guess, you know, it depends who's there to say that to every question. But I mean, I would say Dalvin Cook, because I think their biggest need is at running back. And I think he's the best running back in the draft on on offense. And I think if this team makes the playoffs next year. It's going to be because of their offense. So if the Eagles are going to try to win the NFC East next year, I think they're going to have to do it with Carson Wentz improving, but also just with playmakers on offense, which they've tried to add. And I think Dalvin Cook is their best chance at doing that. Matt, best player to make the playoffs for this season. I'd probably still go Christian McCaffrey here, unless you're telling me that any player in the entire draft is available to me, then I would go Leonard Fournette. But I think you're right. It needs to be a running back to round out the offense to add a franchise running back component along with Carson Wentz and somebody that can be a difference maker. And I think that either Fournette or McCaffrey for different reasons fit that bill. And they both put you in a position as an offense to be pretty prolific and win a lot of games. You could also make an argument real quick for Marshawn Lattimore, but I don't Mm -hmm. think either of us think he's going to be there, but go ahead. Yeah, I can't imagine he would be, though. If he would, I mean, that, that would change the conversation. Let's wrap with this because I, I, this is kind of a theme I've heard from both of you here during this this show in, in different ways. Like, Elliot, you're, you're on the Dalvin Cook train. Matt, you used this more for the, the Leonard Fournette argument, right? And going back to the Cowboys last year and that formula. But what do you guys think about the school of thought that the Eagles – trying to think of how I want to word this. Like, that there, it isn't wise to put a big-time running back – uh, next to Carson Wentz because of what they gave up for Carson Wentz. This is what I'm trying to say is they traded up for Carson Wentz and they gave up a lot, Elliot, last year to make him the franchise, right? To build mm-hmm. their offense around him. If you get a four net that is, you know, you're going to have to give that guy the ball 20 times a game to justify having him on your team. Does that take away from it being Carson Wentz's offense? Now, in the Cowboys example is a little different because I don't think they knew Dak Prescott was going to be that. They were trying to take pressure off of Tony Romo at the time, and, and that was their formula. Do you think there's any of that, that maybe they don't really want this bell cow running back because then how do you have a franchise quarterback who throws the ball 35, 40 right. times a game? No, I, I see your point, and, you know, to bring up our old podcast mate, Mark Echol, he he's, you know, he said, why would you take a running back in the first round when clearly this is a team that wants to pass the ball? Exactly. That, right. that, that's a succinct yeah. way of saying what I was trying right, to say. Exactly. Yeah. So, but here's what I'd say last season with basically, I mean, I know they had Ryan Matthews, but I don't think they were ever that high on Ryan Matthews without a real running back that they truly trust and liked. They, they threw the ball 59% of the plays, 16th in the NFL. So they were basically right in the middle in terms of being a 50-50 run pass offense. So I think if they if they had a running back 
that they really liked, I think they would be a team that would give the ball 20 to 25 times. Because at the end of the day, Carson Wentz is going to be deemed a success, not by throwing 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns every year. He's going to be deemed a success if this team wins in the playoffs and makes it to the Super Bowl and, you know, ideally win it. So, yeah, it, you know, do they do they want Carson Wentz to to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Yeah. But if in four years we're talking about giving all that up for Carson Wentz, it wasn't a good move. We're going to talk about playoffs. We're going to talk about playoff wins. And ultimately, if they're a team that has a, a running back like an Ezekiel Elliott or like a Dalvin Cook that is going to be able to come in and completely, you know, and be a franchise running back, that's going to help them. And I do think they do want to run it more than uh, – I think they would be okay running the ball a lot if they had a player they trusted because that is going to help Carson Wentz. Matt, where do you stand on this? It's a passing league now. We know the Cowboys had a lot of success last year, but do you take away at all from what Wentz will become if you have a guy next to him? You could just use Fournette because, you know, you mentioned him a couple times. If you have Fournette next to him in the backfield? Guys, let's not make this real confusing. You have your franchise running back, excuse me, you have your franchise quarterback in place, right? And you look at what the Cowboys did and you look at what happened with Carson Wentz in the second half a year ago. And we can all point to the absence of Lane Johnson and the impact that that had on Carson Wentz's game. But you look at the fact that he threw, I believe it was 10 interceptions over his final nine games. You look at the game such as the Cincinnati game where he was dropped back to pass the ball 63 times. You look at the yards per attempt that diminished in large part because he was attempting so many passes down the stretch. What Carson Wentz needs, what any young quarterback would need in an offense that's built around him is a running back to help take the pressure off of him so that instead of dropping Carson Wentz back 35, 40, 45 times a game, he can be dropping back 30 times, 25 times, and you can run the ball sometime between 25 and 30 times a game, sort of like a Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, sort of like a Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. And there are numerous examples across the National Football League where the quarterback benefits from having that bell cow in the backfield. I don't think that Carson Wentz, I don't think that the Eagles care that this is Carson Wentz's offense, that this is Carson Wentz's team, and that that would change it all based on having a bell cow running back. If anything, it would make Carson Wentz better. Just like improving your defense, improving your secondary by taking pressure off of Wentz so that he doesn't have to throw the ball 25 times in the second half of a game because you're playing from behind. Adding a running back that can be that bell cow and take some of the pressure off of Wentz is ultimately going to help him develop because he's not going to be in a position to make as many mistakes. Yeah, it's fascinating. If they get a big-time running back next to him, I mean, the offense certainly could take off, and it would take pressure off of Carson. There's there's no doubt about that. All right, guys, I think we did this last week. I think we uh, wrapped up our episode with your pick right now for the Eagles. As we sit here, we're doing this on Tuesday, April 11th. We sit here, and it, you know, you got 16 or so days until the draft, the first round. Uh, it'll probably change next week. It'll probably change the week after leading up to Thursday. But as you sit here right now, Elliot, what's your gut on the Eagles and what they do at 14? So this is who I think they're going to take, not who I would take. You can know what? Let's give both if you want. Okay. Well, I would take – well, I'll say this. I think they're going to take my pick right now. Last week I said John Ross. Now I don't think he's going to be on the board. So I think they're going to take Washington cornerback Kevin King. I think he's 6'3", best athlete in the draft at the position, fills a need, a bit of a reach at 14. But I think that people in the NFL are higher on him than a lot of the media people. And I think that's why people will consider to reach. But spent two years at safety, was two years at cornerback, played all five secondary positions. 
Um, so I think that will be their their pick as of right now. Um, who I would take, I mean, if John Ross was there, I would strongly consider it. But since I've been hyping up Dalvin Cook so much, I'll say I'll take, I would take Dalvin Cook at 14. Adding to that, Elliot, I just saw this morning that Kevin King has been invited to the NFL draft. So obviously and he's the NFL- taking a visit to Philly. Right. So. so obviously the NFL feels that even though maybe that's a high spot for people listening, like Kevin King in the first round, the NFL thinks he's going to go in the first round because they wouldn't invite him if they didn't. Matt, who would you pick and who do you think the Eagles pick as we sit here this morning? Who I would pick, Joe, if, if Gary Unconnelly is on the board, I'd have to think strongly about taking him just because of how important the cornerback position is, who I think they're going to take. And, and you know that I, I've been pretty much on the cornerback or bus train all along. I'm going to break that mold today. I get the sense that Reuben Foster might be there. And if Reuben Foster is sitting there at 14, you can't pass him up. You can't pass him up because this team's biggest need outside of cornerback on defense is adding that playmaking outside linebacker alongside Jordan Hicks. If you're going to make the argument that you're going to take the best player available on the board, Foster is the consensus number one linebacker. If he's there, I think the Eagles will pull the trigger on taking Reuben Foster. Wow, Ruben Foster alongside Jordan Hicks. That would be quite the linebacker. I'll go Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey. And then they're going to take him, and I think they should take him. And, uh, look, everything they've done this offseason has been about offense and helping Carson Wentz, and I think this would, would fall in line there. All right, we'll be back next week with a defensive preview, and I'm sure Matt will talk more about Ruben Foster and all these different corners. There's been a million of them that you guys have written about over the last – couple months so you know from Kevin King to Conley to Tease Tabor we'll, we'll get into all of them uh, and the pass rushers uh, in next week's episode Elliot as always thanks for doing this yep talk to you guys soon thanks Matt always a pleasure guys and thanks to all of you for listening to the No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com you can subscribe on iTunes SoundCloud uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts we're there and of course always on NJ.com <laughs>